Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. The Volume. Just a reminder, you can catch me recording this podcast live on AMP. AMP is a new live radio app that lets you call in and chat with me in person while recording. Get the app on Apple's App Store and make sure you follow me at John Middlecoff to get notified when I go live. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, 3 and Out Podcast. How are we doing, my people? Recording this on uh, Sunday night. It's almost 6 o'clock. Going to dive into uh, a couple teams that I think have a chance to kind of break out this year. One, definitely. I'm going to pick them to win the division. And another one that I've changed my tune a little bit this preseason. And then just some kind of nerdy preseason philosophical big picture talk on how different teams have operated and just how to look at some of these preseason games. I did it for a couple years, evaluate all the preseason games as a pro scout. I think sometimes you're just watching it in the second half and a guy can be awesome and then he gets cut and you don't really realize why he got cut or vice versa. You're like, this guy didn't do anything and he made the team. So kind of what to keep an eye on for these last, uh, really it's the last game now there's only three preseason games with the 17 regular season games so uh let's enjoy it and then we're almost here not that far away from the regular season thank you jesus other than that if you're listening on collins feed make sure you subscribe to three and out appreciate everyone that listens through three and out keep hammering that three and out subscribe to that as well uh or to that all of our stuff's on youtube the volumes youtube and i'm, I'm sporting right now a three and out hat a nice flex fit hat i could wear golfing because it protects my bald head Go to thevolume.com, get yourself one of those hats. Here's the plan this week. Podcast today. I'll do a big podcast tomorrow with a mailbag. So at John Middlecoff, at John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire into those DMs. Fire into those DMs. And I will answer your question here on the podcast after we do some football talk. And that will be the plan for Tuesday's show. And then I think Wednesday's show, I'm going to go on Collins pod. And then we'll have a couple more pods later in the week. So... We're going to keep pumping them out because uh, that's what I do. I'm a podcaster, so w- what else would I do? And uh, and yeah, so let's just let's just hammer home, keep swinging these last couple weeks before the regular season, and then football's officially back. This week, I think we got college football games this weekend. USC and Notre Dame are playing, so a couple top 10 teams. That's better than nothing. But first, grab your smartphone and do me a favor. Download the Game Time app. They're the official ticketing app of this podcast and the fastest growing ticketing app in America. I've used them. I've gone to games, hockey game, went to my first one ever, spring training games. I'll go to a football game this fall. I've gone to concerts. I went to Morgan Wallen twice because of them. When you go to game time and sign up and use the promo code John, that's J-O-H-N. That's my name, 
promo code John. You'll get $20 off your first pair of tickets. Do it now. Can't recommend them enough. For those of you that have, I appreciate you. For those of you that haven't, take your son, take your wife, go go to a game or go to a concert with your dad or a friend and enjoy yourself and do it on me. Promo code John, J-O-H-N, Game Time app. Do it and do it now. Okay. Before I dive into the two teams that have really jumped out to me, let me just say this. Every team in training camp takes it very, very seriously. Obviously, there are certain teams that training camp is a lot different than others, right? If you're at Alabama, LSU, the Kansas City Chiefs, the 49ers, like you have aspirations to do big things. If you're one of the crappy teams in college or pro, Houston, right? You are just trying to build the foundation, especially new coaches, Arizona. So every training camp is a little differently, but everyone takes it very, very seriously. It's all football 24-7. I've been a part of ones in college. I've been a part of ones in pros. It's long days. It's obviously different now than the double days, but it is still an intense time of just football. It's probably much more mental now in college and definitely in the pros, but it's just football, 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 and more football. So I don't think anyone is not taking it seriously. But I do think there are two teams to me that really jump out this preseason. And both of them are on a little bit different trajectories. I've been saying for a while and probably I would imagine the week of the season, I'll do my quote unquote official picks for the division. Uh, I I do think I'm going to pick this team to win the division because, you know, I'm not just going to pick a random team to pick a random team. But I do think this team has the upside to win 13 games. And I remember probably two weeks ago. You know, a lot of you guys on YouTube, the algorithm throws you different things of stuff you might like. And there was Daniel Jeremiah tells Rich Eisen what he saw at Pittsburgh Steelers training camp. And for those of you that don't know, I used to work with DJ with the Eagles when he took the NFL Network job. He went to Howie and because I was like, I want to move back to the West Coast. He got my back. He put my name in the hat. I mean, I was already working for the team. I begged for it, and I ended up getting it, and I've known him now well over a decade, uh, and he's a big reason that I made my way back to the West Coast and honestly influenced me in the quote-unquote media game talking about football. And so once I saw that headline, I watched it, him him do a call into Rich, and then I just started texting with him about training camp. He's like, bro, they look really good. Like this is, They look like they got a chance to be a big-time team. Obviously, they have an excellent defense. Their offensive skill people are, you know, they're always really good with the Steelers, right? I've loved Najee Harris since he was in high school. We've seen what Pickens is doing. But he said the key was what he saw is Kenny Kenny Pickett is dramatically better. He thinks he's taking a big step. And if you've been listening to me for a while, you know, I wasn't the biggest fan. I I would not have drafted him because I don't tend to like guys like that. To me, if your upside is like a better Jimmy Garoppolo, Kirk Cousins, like I don't, those aren't the people I gravitate two in the draft, but I have been fooled before. I would have told you Kirk Cousins never would have been Kirk Cousins, right? Brock Purdy, wait, you're going to start this guy and we'll see how that becomes. But my point is Derek Carr, I even thought like, is he ever going to become a high end NFL starter? And he's definitely had years. So when you get a quarterback whose ceiling might not be as high, but the football characters there, he's obviously talented relative to NFL players and you surround him with that operation. The urgency with this team is clearly pretty high. The way they talked in the offseason and the way they've treated training camp. Now, Tomlin, 
like Belichick and Andy has never been one of those guys like McVay. Nobody's playing. He plays his dudes. He sets the tone in training camp. But I also think they haven't won a playoff game since the 2016 season. Their last playoff win was against the Alex Smith-led Kansas City Chiefs, which I remember watching was a fantastic win. That was when they had Big Ben was still pretty damn good. And A.B. and Le'Veon Bell, that, that team was awesome. They ended up losing to the uh, New England Patriots in the AFC Championship game. If you remember, Le'Veon got hurt early in that game, and it was a weird situation. The Patriots beat him. But I do think there's a sense of urgency with the Steelers. Just it's not like they've been a disaster, but relative to their standards, hasn't been great. And here's the other thing. They've had a front row seat. The Bengals get Joe Burrow. Boom, go to a Super Bowl. Boom, go back to the AFC Championship. The Ravens, while they haven't probably got as far as they would have liked with Lamar, have been very, very successful for the past, you know, since Lamar started playing. And listen, I, I don't know what quite to think of the Browns, but they are a formidable opponent who actually beat the Steelers a couple years ago in the COVID season in the playoffs with Baker Mayfield. And clearly now, in theory, they should have a much better quarterback. But I just like the feel that's coming from the Steelers. And I believed in them in the offseason, just like this to me feels like a better team, assuming the quarterback could take a step. We know how good their defense is. If their offensive line can just improve a little bit, their their running back's a stud, and they've been taking this shit seriously. I mean, Kenny Pickett, take it for what it is, is 9 of 11 in the preseason for two touchdowns. He just looks pretty good. And I was not the biggest fan, but I'm not dumb enough to go like, I didn't like this guy. And then he becomes good. I'll admit he's good or vice versa. I love this guy. And then he sucks. I'll tell you, he sucks. I don't care that much. I don't get paid to be right or wrong on players. I actually get paid now to entertain, but I'm a believer in the Steelers. And I think Steeler fans have to be very, very excited. I think week one, I mean, there might be bigger headlines and storylines for different games in week one, there might not be a better football nerd game when it comes to old school physicality, just talent on the field, than Steelers 49ers in Pittsburgh Sunday. I, I think the game's at 10 a.m. Uh, for us on the West Coast. But I, I, I love everything that's come out of the Steelers, and uh, they have a lot of momentum coming off last season. Though, every year's a new year. You don't start with that momentum from the previous season. But all those guys are back. And it's hard to not believe in Tomlin. If Kenny Pickett, to me, is just a top 15 quarterback, just has like his Jimmy Garoppolo, Kirk Cousins kind of breakout year to be that upper echelon, right? Right, Not like a below average player in the top half of quarterbacks. They, they got to be chance to be really good. And the other team, now, I don't think this team by any means high end is like competing for a conference championship game. But I have come around a little bit to go, I wonder if this team could compete for the playoffs. And part of it is like, not the biggest believer in Denver. I don't think they're going to be that good this year. And then the Chargers ultimately have Brandon Staley, who I think is easily one of the worst coaches in the NFL and a guy that I thought should have been fired last season because they have too much talent and they're underachieving. But one of the reasons that, and if you've listened to me now for several months, I thought like a month ago when Jimmy Garoppolo, we didn't know if he was going to pass a physical or not. I'm like, the Raiders are flirting with disaster here because if Jimmy gets hurt and they have to go to Brian freaking Hoyer, they're not going to win a game. They have more talent than like the Cardinals or the Texans and some of these bad teams. But with the teams they play and Brian Hoyer, they will lose every week. 
And then I've watched him play two preseason games. And this guy, Aiden O'Connell, and we have now recent history of some of these mid-round picks coming into offenses that have talent around and having success. I'll be completely honest. I don't watch Purdue football. I really don't watch that much Big Ten football beside like Michigan. I don't really watch Ohio State during the season beside the Michigan game for sure. And maybe another game if it's tight because they can beat the shit out of everybody. Like it kind of bores me. I used to say the same thing about Clemson. Like I'm not watching a team in the peak of their powers in a conference that they dominate every team except like one or two. Right. It's not that entertaining to me. Say what you want about Alabama. But I would say throughout the last seven or eight years, they just find themselves in more tightly contested conference games. I don't know if the stats back that up, but it sure feels like that as just a college football consumer on Saturdays my entire adult life. And so I I think the Raiders got a lot of talent. They they really do. And Jimmy Garoppolo has proven that if he's your starting quarterback, your offense can be solid if your offensive coordinator knows what he's doing, i.e. Kyle. Now, Josh McDaniels, I don't know if he's a good head coach, but he has proven in his career to be an excellent offensive coordinator. I thought what he did with Mac Jones a couple years ago was phenomenal. So to me, offensively, they got Devontae Adams, they got Hunter Renfro, they drafted the tight end from Notre Dame, their offensive line, in theory, should be improved. Colton Miller's a really good left tackle. And Josh Jacobs is easily, I mean, based on last year, one of the best running backs in the NFL, and ultimately he's going to come back because what's he going to do, not play for $11 million? So the Raiders offense, but here's the thing that jumped out to me the most. This guy that they drafted in the fourth round, Aiden O'Connell, is fucking good, at least based on the preseason. I'm not trying to act like he's the next coming of Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, or Josh Allen. But like, I've watched enough preseason. I used to get paid to do it for a living. Like He's a high-end, drafted, in-the-mid-rounds quarterback based on the preseason. Very, very impressive. He's 26-36 for over 300 yards and three touchdowns. And you just watch the ball come out of his hands, how comfortable he is. I I said this last week uh, when I thought like I didn't love what I saw out of Trey Lance. Now, he was much better at least you know, Saturday night against the third stringers for Denver. He, but he did look more comfortable. Like there's something about watching a quarterback in the preseason, whether you know he's going against starters or it's the second half and he's going against a bunch of practice squad guys slash guys that won't be in the NFL. Comfort to him, comfort to him. And this guy looks comfortable. And the thing I've always said about like the Shanahan crew, I'm a big believer of like what you look for in players is based on the people you've been around, coach with, and had success with the whole Shanahan crew, right? Kyle McVay, LaFleur, Sala, uh, D'Amico now have seen, I would say, middle of the road quarterbacks have success from Cousins to Jimmy, even Matt Ryan. Like Matt Ryan was like a fringe Pro Bowl guy. I know he had made one before, but they turned the fucking guy into an MVP, right? And all those guys had a front row seat to what you could do with Jimmy Garoppolo. So the way they look at it, like Brock Purdy, who did McVay draft this year? Stetson Bennett, who'd LaFleur and the Packers get? Sean Clifford, last year with the Jets, who did they have success with? Mike White, even C.J. Stroud, beside the game against Georgia, was just like, ah, this is a more of a typical you know, pocket quarterback. Honestly, his game translated more to like Mac Jones at Alabama than it did to like Trevor Lawrence. Now, clearly, he's more athletic than that based on the Georgia game, but He was not like some Andrew Luck level freak. And they believe like we can just build the team around that guy, whether it's true or not. You know, I think a lot of people would push back, but they're not Andy Reid. Andy was around Favre, then McNabb, now Mahomes. He likes freak shows. Now he liked Alex Smith, 
But for the most part, he likes the high-end, high-ceiling guys. And Josh McDaniels is much more, I know he's not a Shanahan guy, he's a Belichick guy, but think of the guys Belichick's drafted, right? Even Tom Brady was a six-round pick. The, the Jimmy Garoppolo's, the Jacoby Brissett's, the Brian Hoyer's, the Matt Castle's, like those are the type players that they like and can have success with if your team's good enough. Now, major question mark over the years with the Raiders, their defense has been a fucking abomination. I mean, it's been a complete embarrassment. I was going to the games for years. Beside Khalil Mack, their, their defense was so terrible. And last year, defense, not great. So their defense has to improve. Now, Max Crosby is a top five pass rusher. Chandler Jones, I don't know if he can be counted on because he gets banged up a lot. They've invested a lot through draft picks and free agent signings. But a lot of people really believe in their coordinator, Patrick. I forget his last name, but they he's a New England guy. He went with Joe Judge. Dayball tried to keep him there. He went with Josh. People rave about the guy. But if their defense is just solid and offensively, I've I've look at them a little different now because, yeah, I, I think Jimmy Garoppolo will get hurt. He gets hurt a lot. But no longer am I viewing them, their backup quarterback, as Brian Hoyer. Honestly, you could cut Brian Hoyer and make him like a practice squad slash assistant coach and just have him around Aiden O'Connell because Aiden O'Connell is your backup quarterback. And Colin and I talked about this last week. Some of these guys that have had a ton of reps in big-time conferences for teams that aren't as good. It is not normal. Like, I'm not saying you can't go from Clemson kicking everyone's ass to the NFL and have success. Trevor Lawrence is doing it, right? But for the most part, some of these guys from these big-time programs, Ohio State, Alabama historically, have not gone to the NFL and just kicked everyone's ass. Tua Tonga-Vailoa was unreal in college, and then he goes, he's easily the third-best quarterback in his draft, right? So when, when you look at this, you get some of these guys that went into games for years every time Purdue stepped on the field. Obviously, Ohio State and Michigan, but like Wisconsin, Iowa, like they're not, they're probably the underdog the majority of these games. Purdy, same thing at Iowa State. So you get used to having to find ways to win. And I just think you become a better player that way. I, I really do. Right. When you look at, look at the NBA, like LeBron's somewhat of an outlier. Think about who most of the best players are. Steph Curry, Davidson had to figure it out. Jokic, second round pick, had to figure it out. Giannis, nobody from middle of nowhere in Greece. Gets to a shitty team, has to just kind of figure it out. Right. Obviously, they have blue chip skills, but it's not like they all, how many guys from just Duke are just dominating the NBA right now? Right. It's, that's not the way it works. Going through some adversity in your young college career, especially in football. And I'm not saying you need to, like Nick Bosa went to Ohio State, kicked ass, come to the NFL, kicked ass. Right. Trent Williams, Oklahoma gets the NFL, kicks ass. But I think with quarterbacks now, we're seeing it around the NFL. Think about a lot of the mid-round quarterbacks who have made it in the NFL and become really good players. Dak Prescott, he didn't go to Alabama or Georgia. He went to Mississippi State, and he helped them become a top-five program, I think, his senior year, right? Well, most of those games, and they had talent, right? Mississippi State has definitely had high-end guys, but they were not the most talented team relative to LSU or Alabama, right? And he played them every year because of the side of the division. Kirk Cousins went to Michigan State. Not Michigan, not Ohio State, not even Wisconsin. So now his teams were good at Michigan State, but historically they have not been some power. Derek Carr, Fresno State, Jimmy Garoppolo. I always get it wrong, but Southern Illinois or Northern Illinois, whatever Illinois school he went to. And I do think for some of these mid-tier guys, and I know Carr and Jimmy were second-round picks, but Aiden O'Connell 
If I'm a Raider fan, I feel much better about our ability to be competitive if Jimmy goes down. Because part of the reason, they lost a bunch of close games, and it, Derek and, and Josh clearly didn't mesh, right? It, it didn't work out. But I'm just a little more bullish based on, you know, I, I could see the division not, we thought last year was going to be the best division of all time, and then it clearly was not. So I, I just think they have more firepower at quarterback now, having this guy as the backup. And we have just seen so many guys in recent memory have success as mid-round picks very, very earlier in their career, which makes sense. It's a passing league. A lot of these guys come from passing programs. They're used to it. Obviously, the speed of the game and there are nuances in the NFL that are different than college. But I, I don't think anyone could argue. I don't think it's debatable. It's never been easier to make the transition. It's why when guys fail, we go, God. Something must be missing. And sometimes just guy lacks touch. The guy lacks composure. Maybe he's just not mature enough. I mean, there, there are all sorts of variables here, but it's never been easier to play quarterback. So the Steelers and Raiders, I think if I'm a fan of either of those teams, I'm pretty excited going into the season, and I wouldn't blame anyone. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. They help you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Did you know 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites? LinkedIn's the only one I use. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. <laughs> There was an article on The Athletic. It's a paid-for subscription service. Uh, go uh, read their articles. I, I really enjoy it. I, I look at it most days. Now, I don't pay. I, I used to write for a couple years for them, and they've, they've never blocked my subscription. So I just keep signing on and keep getting it. But you, you used to be able to get deals for like a buck for the year. I, I think those days are gone since the New York Times. But there was an article on Andy Reid's training camp. It was fantastic. I mean, it, it really was. And the it, it was basically based on he runs the hardest training camp in the NFL for like 20 plus years. When he first got to Philly, uh, it was before my time, obviously in the 99, but through the 2000s, it was a it was just a bloodbath. I mean, double days, intensity in Lehigh, the heat, the humidity. It was not easy. I wouldn't say Junction Boys, Alabama, like 1950s. But just just read the article, the quotes from former players, former coaches. It was clearly pretty hard. And now with the new rules, there's only so much you can do, right? You're not allowed to have double days. There are mandatory player days off every fourth or fifth day. 
there's some stuff out of your control. But based on the rules that he can function in, it's I think it's universally known it's the hardest training camp in, in practice. If you go to most of these practices, and I didn't quite know this, it, it didn't really register like when I used to go to his practices, but I go to all these other practices over the last, whatever, seven, eight years. If you go to a Kyle Shanahan practice, the ones, the twos, and the threes, the threes sometimes as training camp goes on take unequal amount of reps, but the ones and the twos typically take the same amount of reps. So it's like four and four. But if you go to Andy Reid's practice, the ones take 80% of the reps. So they're taking like seven or eight, and the twos are then taking two or three. So if you are a starter, the intensity of practice is just, it's relentless. And his big thing, which clearly works, and I'm a believer in this, like in the fight game, there's a reason I'm not a big UFC guy. I actually just found out the Sugar Sean guy trains. I've only gone there once to this CrossFit gym that I went to. And uh, so I was watching the UFC and he KO'd the dude. So that was cool. But obviously when you spar, whether you're UFC, whether you're a wrestler, whether you're a boxer, you're building your calluses, you're building, you're making your body tougher to handle the punishment for the actual fight. Football is no different, right? There's a reason you wear pads to hit for the speed of the game. Historically, before like the last decade, tackling in practice was normal because you're going to tackle in the games, but we no longer do that. And I don't even think Andy Reid is tackling every day to the ground, but in terms of physicality consistently, it's really physical, right? The 49ers are easily one of the more physical teams in the NFL. Their practices are not. Now, they just benefit from having kind of crazy, talented, physical, I don't know, I mean, badasses. But if you go to their practices, it is not guys getting lit up. It's a lot of like Trent Williams, Nick Bosa, and Kittle standing on the sideline, right? So everyone, there's not a right or wrong way to do it. But I do think that a couple of years ago, McVay didn't play anybody. And it set the tone. I remember Coward had a big thing like that. That changed preseason. And it did for a long period of time. And then they yanked one of the preseason games. Now we got 17 games, right? Regular season games. So you only got three preseason games. I think a bunch of teams now joint practice, which are physical, which kind of weird right now. Some of these joint practices last week, the Jets canceled theirs. The Patriots just canceled theirs with the Titans. Now, part of that has to do with Bolden. But I think a lot of teams, if if you don't have I, it buttoned up enough and there's too much fighting, it's hard to get stuff done. But if you know what you're doing and the guys buy in, you get a lot of work done. So you don't have to necessarily play those guys in the preseason. But I turned on the 49er uh, Bronco game. All the starters are in. I look at the the Packer Patriot game. Starters are playing. I look up the the Chiefs Cardinal game. Mahomes is in for a couple series, right? So, I, and I just saw a headline: Aaron Rodgers plans on playing in the last ra- uh, preseason game. Kyle Shanahan said his starters will play again. I, I do wonder if if teams. Because the only way to get ready for week one, it is really difficult. You can go, yeah, our guy's a veteran player. He knows what he's doing. He doesn't need any reps. And I understand with older players, like Trent Williams, ain't going to play a snap in the preseason. Uh, George Kittle, I, I can just speak for the Niners. I'm, I'm not watching every preseason game. But like, I, I'm sorry, Mac Jones, Jordan Love, the offensive line ahead of them, Jimmy Garoppolo, like, fuck it, let it play. So I I completely understand it, and I do think it's shifting a little bit. It just shows you how kind of cyclical things can be uh, in sports in general, uh, but especially in football, because I think too many teams, 
not everyone before when Belichick had Brady, they always treated September as like an extension of training camp to feel out their team. They didn't need to start. They didn't need to go four and They just kind of figured out their way, go three and one, two and two, evaluate their team. And then they get hotter as the season goes along. Well, most teams don't have Belichick and Brady. You can't afford to start slow, go one and three, and you can't dig yourself out of the hole. Think last year with the Lions, right? They, they dug themselves a hole and then it was, it was too late by the last game of the season. They, they couldn't even play their way in. Same with the Steelers. Started slow and it fucked them. Now, part of that was when they went with Mitch Trubisky and not, you know, a guy that had been starting for years in college in Kenny Pickett. But I, I do think Tomlin kind of learned from that mistake. It cost him. And I think that goes back to like the extra urgency in, in training camp this year. But I, I do wonder, highly recommend this article, Andy Reid in training camps. Uh, but but it's, things are all relative too, because I remember the first camp after the CBA, uh, Deuce Staley was standing next to me and he's like, this is a country club compared to what we went through. Because I, I remember my first training camp in Philly, live goal line. I'm talking like tackling to the ground. Guys flying over the pile. I would imagine if you went to potentially every practice, I don't exactly know like what a Saban would do or a Kirby Smart. I, I They're definitely running goal line, but I'm talking like tackling to the ground. Now you could argue it's hard to practice goal line without tackling, but this goal line looked like bodies were flying. And I just went, Jesus, welcome to the NFL. And I, I do wonder if we're going to see a little bit of a shift back to preseason games, at least with the starters for a series or two, because before with the four preseason games, everyone did the same thing. First preseason game, starters got a series. Second preseason game, starters got two, three, maybe a quarter. Third preseason game, depending on how you did, like if you scored a couple touchdowns in the first quarter, maybe I'd yank you. But for the most part, you got a half. And some teams did a half with a series after the half to kind of mentally prepare. And then the fourth preseason game was irrelevant. Just your backups and your practice squad guys and your fringe guys. I'd keep an eye on that. I do wonder if the preseason is going to get back to its roots over the next decade a little bit. Last but not least, I I think a lot of you guys, if you're watching your team play in the preseason, once it gets to the second half, if you're still watching, I don't blame you if you turn it off, but what else are you going to do? You go, what am I really watching? Right? Because you see guys make plays. You see guys like this guy had four catches in a preseason game, or this guy had a sack. And it's hard. I, I When I first got to the NFL, I kind of had to be taught. From a scouting perspective, the way teams evaluate these players, it's not really based on stats, right? This guy ran for 100 yards in the third preseason game. It's more based on physical characteristics. Like, would this translate? Because you don't know. You're, you're kind of guessing if it's an undrafted free agent or a practice squad guy or a seventh round pick. But you can see traits. Now, sometimes like, oh, this guy had three sacks in the preseason. And then you go back and look, two of them were untouched because the offensive tackle is going to be, you know, selling insurance here in a month, right? So you, everything is put into somewhat context in the scouting rule. Now, with quarterbacks, for example, like Trey Lance yesterday was playing in the fourth quarter of the game against the Broncos. I have no clue most of the guys he's playing against. But it didn't necessarily matter from an evaluation standpoint because he looked pretty good. He was just much calmer. Uh, he, he just he made some of the better passes of his career, to be honest with you. And it's like what you like to see, just some improvement. But also just because you make a good throw. For example, 
And this this goes to the preseason in general, especially with guys that haven't done anything in the NFL. Jordan Love had a really, really nice touchdown pass. I guess against the this would have been Saturday night against the Patriots. And then if I was a Packer fan, I'd be excited. Like that's what you want to see. But for Jordan Love to be a good player in the NFL, it's not going to be about one pass. He's got a good arm. He's pretty athletic. It's going to be about can he do it over the course of a game, over the course of a month, over the course of playing all the division opponents the second time. Those are the unknowns you don't know, right? How does it look when there's a true game plan? Because once you get into the second half of these games, there is 100% no game plan. You are just running the plays if you're an offense or you're running the plays, the defense that you've just run in practice throughout. There's no, this was schemed against this look. It's very, very basic. Now, with when I, my Jordan Love example, they might have put some emphasis on some game plan stuff for some of these preseason games to start that kind of uh, kind of mindset because he's going to be the starter. And it's a very positive. I'm not taking anything away from him, but you just don't know. Like Brock Purdy, if he had never played before in his drive he had against the, the Denver Broncos, I go, yeah, it's a positive thing, but I don't know what it's going to look like. But he had the seven, eight games last year where we go, it just looks like that look. Now, there are some guys, like I never had a problem with Aaron Rodgers not playing for the Packers in the preseason. It's like, it's 37, 38 years old. What's the point? I do understand with the Jets, a lot of moving pieces. I, I just watched Hard Knocks the other night. It's definitely concerning their offensive line. It, it really is, right? They, they are. They have no chance to win the Super Bowl if their offensive line is like bottom 10 in the NFL. Now, based on the way they look and based on the talent they have on their team, it's obviously not easy to improve, uh, but it's 100% a red flag. I, I'm still just going to try to give them the benefit of the doubt, but I, I, I was going to pick them to win the division before training camp started. I definitely hesitate. Now, where I do think that I probably underestimated their defensive line with the Jets is could be fucking dominant. Quinton Williams looks like a bigger version of Warren Sapp. He is a monster. Now, we know he was good because we saw him play last year and he was a badass. But you watch him right now, his mindset, that guy looks like a poise for a season like Chris Jones just had. And then they draft the guy last year, Johnson from Florida State, the Georgia transfer. They draft Will McDonald this year in the top 20 or what, what pick was that, 15, 17 or whatever it was from, I think, Iowa State. So they got edge pressure. They got interior pressure. Sauce Gardner is probably the best corner in the NFL. One of them, him or Patrick Sertain. So their their defense has a chance to be unreal. But their pass game is a problem if they just can't block people. But this is the time to figure it out. And I would like to get some live reps because I know that Aaron, if he sees a guy go unblocked, can just hit the ground. But he's like Peyton or Brady. He's not, he's not proven anything. Like last night, I saw Zach Wilson. I didn't watch much of the game. I didn't watch any of the game beside the highlight. Just took off like he was like Lamar Jackson. It was sweet. Like Aaron ain't doing that. Not he probably even couldn't. But you know, some guys like what do I got to lose? And I, I think it also can be concerning the other way when like ultimately I don't need you to go whatever. Let's say twelve of fourteen if you're my backup quarterback. But if you look terrible, like Marcus Mariota with the Eagles, I was watching some of that game the other night. It just looked terrible. I mean, he looked awful. Now he's been bad. It feels like for a couple of years. And I root for him. Just I remember meeting him a couple years ago, watched him in college. I, I want him to just succeed, but he just looks bad. And it, it's weird just because you're bad as a backup. Look at Matt Barkley. Matt Barkley's awful. It is, his TD to interception ratio is like 11 of 22 in his career. And he's played for a decade. People like you. 
And we talked about this for a while. To be a good backup isn't just about like, I think I can win with you. It's like, do I like you? There's a small percentage of backups. Like, just go look around the league that you feel like we could win some games, right? The Cowboys had one last year when Dak went down. Cooper Rush just won them some games. I think the 49ers think with Sam Darnold, uh, they could just win some games. Now, could they maintain winning? It's very, very hard. Most backups come in, you immediately suck. But when you have a backup who you know is not good, like Matt Barkley or Chase Daniels for years, because you like him, but is not a good player, if your quarterback has a major injury, you are in major trouble. So that's something to keep a big-time eye on now. Now, it makes it a little bit easier now with the third quarterback I don't even know his third quarterback rule or you're allowed to have three quarterbacks up on game day. I, I do think that'll influence the league and have an impact on guys being claimed and teams keeping three quarterbacks on their roster. But just because you can't keep three quarterbacks on your roster, you got to find three quarterbacks on your roster that are worth keeping. That you're like, I'd be cool with this guy playing in a game. Um, and it's, I mean, do the math, right? We always say there's not 64 quarterbacks, let alone... What's the math there? 64, 96? Am I doing that correctly? I think I am. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, let's enjoy this last week of uh, the preseason. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.